This episode of Voices in Local Government is brought to you by the ICMA Coaching Program. Check out Coach Connect and other resources at icma.org slash coaching. Welcome to Voices in Local Government, an ICMA podcast. My name is Joe Superville. With me is Mary Furtado, David Street, and Rob Cardi. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Excited. Mary Furtado, Assistant County Manager of Catawba County, North Carolina. Mary has met the Pope and the Dalai Lama and has another interesting fact when we get to our game here in just a minute. Thanks for being here today, Mary. Excited to be with you. David Street, local government rock and roll. He'll be bringing the energy today. Chief of Staff for Loudoun County, Virginia, and the author of some of the most helpful and most popular ICMA blogs over the last year or two. Yeah, super excited David. to be here. Super excited to share the story and the passion for serving local government. And Rob Cardi, ICMA's Director of Career Services. Rob oversees our local government management fellowship program and our coaching program and has worked internationally in Zambia and Ireland. Thanks for being here, Rob. Great to be here. Mentors and mentees. To start, uh, for Mary, David, and Rob, and even the audience listening, we're going to kind of play a little game here. I'm going to give out famous fictional pairs of mentor and mentoree, and you three are going to choose your favorite or best or however you define it. But we're focusing on the relationship more than just you know which show, movie, or book you actually like more. It's more on the, the two people. The first one of local government themselves um, from Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson and Leslie Nope, or Jack and Liz Lemon from 30 Rock. David, why don't you go first? Got to be Ron and Leslie. Rob? Uh, I always liked the, the 30 Rock dynamic myself. And Mary, uh, the interesting tidbit we didn't get to earlier, why don't you tell us and then finally make your choice here? All right, so my spirit animal is a mashup of Leslie Nope and Liz Lemon. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go with Jack and Liz from 30 Rock. So the next one for the, the Star Trek fans out there, Captain Kirk and crew or Captain Picard and crew? Rob, you go first. It's got to be Picard. Mary? Kirk. David? Picard. <sighs> Make it so. I'm feeling the burn. <laughs> and uh, a potential rhetorical question, but I could have flipped it. I could have I said Spock was the mentor and Kirk was the mentoree, which we'll get to, because sometimes it's a two-way street. It's absolutely true. Um, so, so that's something to think about. I think Spock was actually my guy, even though not as big a Trek fan as some. More so than Trek, I, I was the Star Wars kid growing up. So this one is Yoda slash Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker, kind of from the original three, versus Old Man Luke and Rey from the newer trilogy. This, I could probably guess which way this is going, but Mary, start us off this time. I don't know how you vote against Yoda in anything. So I'm going, I'm a purist. I'm going original. Yeah. David? Here's my controversial opinion. Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Prequels. Mm. You, you stole my, you stole my uh, joke there, too. I was going Qui-Gon, the, the much-hated on prequels, but he's actually probably the best leader-slash-mentor of the all nine For movies. sure. For sure. Um, but I thought maybe too obscure for some of the audiences. It was kind of just that first movie. So, so Rob, you can, you can write one in, or you can vote on the, the first two choices there. Yoda's the OG. 
yeah. uh, mentor there, right? Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> well, also, also debatable, but but maybe a good line. Um, all right, so <laughs> the the dark side of Star Wars. We're going to bring in some bad guys now. Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader, the maybe greatest villain of all time. Maybe toxic relationship there if you really break it down. Or uh, Vito and Michael Corleone from Godfather going a little further back, but the the original and then the son who takes over as uh, kind of the bad guy. So between those two, Rob, why don't you start? As much of a Star Wars fan as I am, I like the idea of being indebted to someone for life and not knowing what that debt's going to be with the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. David? If you go back and look at what mentoring really is, it's being able to influence somebody, influence their direction, influence their development. Although the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities that some consider to be unnatural, I have to go with uh, Palps and Vader. Effective, even if not not great outcomes for the rest of the galaxy. Mary, He's a strong about, influencer. Mary, what about you? This one too. Gandalf and Frodo from Lord of the Rings or Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Mary, go ahead. That was a tough one for me. I sat on the fence for a while, but I think I'm going to jump in with Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Rob? I have to agree. I think the mentor-mentee relationship, I guess it depends on what, you know, is it a sink or swim environment or a nurturing environment? I think with Frodo and Gandalf, it was like sink or swim. You're on this team and now go destroy that ring. I'm behind you, but I'm working on something else. Whereas, uh, you know, the, the relationship between Dumbledore and uh, and Harry was a much more nurturing and supportive mentor relationship. And I will say on this topic, someone has described Mary as their Patronus, as a mentor. <laughs> so, uh, Top shelf, baby. <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter runs, runs deep. <laughs> yeah. David? So I'm conflicted, but I'm going to have to go with the majority on this one i could probably argue either size either side but if you're if you're looking for a a truly developmental relationship it's it's hard to get a better example than harry potter and professor albus dumbledore all right next on the list morpheus and neo from the matrix or mr miyagi and the karate kid david go ahead miyagi's the ultimate teacher He's the ultimate path setter. But what I really appreciate about the character is that he doesn't do anything for, um, I think it's Danny, right? Mm-hmm. The Karate Kid Danny. Danny? Yeah. Okay, good. My my 80s are showing through a little bit. Um, he doesn't do anything for him. He empowers him to do. But if you look at Morpheus, so does he. Although I think when you look at intention, Miyagi's intention is for the benefit of uh, Danny and Morpheus's intention isn't necessarily for the benefit of Neo. So I have to go with Miyagi. Mary? I'm going Miyagi too, for the same reason. You know, he doesn't give him the answers. He asks him questions and makes him makes Danny figure it out on his own. Rob? I like both of these. I agree with uh, Mary and David about Mr. Miyagi, but what I like about Morpheus is he shows Neo the world that can be and gets him to open his mind into something he hadn't even known existed. Just like, you know, this is your potential. I'm helping you see bigger, the, the bigger, bigger picture stuff. There. Yeah. Yeah. Quick aside as a kid watching karate kid movie, I couldn't get past 
hey, Mr. Miyagi's just tricking Daniel into doing these chores for him. I don't, what is this? <laughs> You're just washing a car and painting the fence. No, no thanks. So, very Tom Sawyer I'm, on him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out on Karate Kid. I'll go with Matrix there. Uh, the next one, a couple comedies from a little further back than recently, Dr. Cox and JD of Scrubs or Ted Lasso and Roy Kent. Um, I believe Rob and David have, and myself have not seen Ted Lasso yet. So they're going to default to the first one, but Mary, you, you go, you go ahead and take this one away. So I'm going Ted Lasso and Roy Kent, and I'm, I'm doing that to tantalize the three of you a little bit, or maybe even taunt you, uh, into watching it. Cause it's definitely worth, worth the watch, but it's all about the positive motivation. And so having somebody who can be positive and spark that in you, I think it's a, little difference in the relationship between dr cox and jd and the last one maybe my favorite uh don draper and peggy olsen the greatest copywriting advertising duo of all time or walter white and jesse pinkman of breaking bad who had a different line of business but uh rob why don't you go first I have not really watched either of those shows but i can jump back to the ted lasso thing only to say that the general nature of what I've heard about that show is positivity. And I think where everybody's been for the last 18 months, it's definitely next on my watch list. David? Very much like Morpheus and Neo and Miyagi and the Karate Kid were both positive examples from different perspectives. These are both <laughs> bad examples from different perspectives. So the outcomes for both are really strong. Don and Peggy do great advertising work. Um, Walter and Jesse do a lot of crimes very successfully, but neither of them are, are great relationships. So I'll lean on the one that I know the best, which is Don and Peggy. And Mary? I'm going to go with Don and Peggy on this one, too. Um, and to the point about the fact that there's some negative aspects in both relationships, I think it was actually a two-way mentoring street um, between Don and Peggy. And I'm always going to give a shout out to a strong woman in the 50s, 60s. So That was that was fun. Thanks for playing. Uh, hopefully the audience was kind of playing along and I'm sure they're thinking, hey, they missed these two from this show or this movie, Sopranos, Game of Thrones, lots of stuff. We weren't able to get to all of them, but you can send your list of favorites or things we missed either on ICMA Connect or podcasts at icma.org and more importantly than just the list are follow-up questions on this topic or things that you'd like to see um, either this group or if we kind of get a new set of guests in here kind of talk about or cover next time mentoring comes up so uh, again thanks for the audience listening today and we're going to now get really into it so some of those or most of those mentor examples we just went over are great and there are some real lessons to learn but Life is not a clean three-act hero's journey script either. So it doesn't always go that smoothly or have those little moments of, you know, the light bulb going off with the the one quote from from the mentor. But I wanted to start with just dispelling some myths or unrealistic expectations of being our mentor, doing the mentoring, or if you're on the other side, what what to look for. So just kind of transitioning from those fictional relationships to real life. Talk about expectations. Mary, if you can start us off. Sure. So I think in any mentor-mentee relationship, there's got to be that right fit. 
like natural mentors and natural mentor mentee pairs come come up and and when you can find that mentor naturally that's great but having said that if you encounter someone through maybe a formal mentoring program or you've been paired with someone or you have a supervisor who you might not click with 100% i think it's a myth to think that you can't get anything out of that relationship so i don't think it's necessarily an all or nothing thing um, you can have mentors for certain skill sets that you're working on and you might say to yourself that person in these other realms isn't someone who i'm going to seek mentoring advice from and then the other thing i'd say the other big myth that jumped into my mind when i saw this question is that a mentor is going to be the make or break opener of doors for you i do think that's a true statement but i don't think like it's got to be a two-way street so you know a good mentor is going to have some skin in the game and, and be willing to exert some influence to help create opportunities for you as a mentee but i think the mentee holds just as much responsibility in terms of driving that relationship and and putting skin in the game so to speak to to get some yield you know from that effort david can you add to that yeah, and uh, I was actually, you brought us back to reality, but I'm going to go straight back to television. You see that so wonderfully played out between Jack and Liz and 30 Rock. In the wild, nobody's going to, well, most people aren't going to come up and, and Jack Donaghy, you in episode one, say from on high that I'm going to you know, help guide your career, help guide your thoughts, decisions. The, the protege, the protege word, that's kind of a more extreme, like I'm yeah. taking on everything about this and trying to mold them too much. So that that's not really, that's what you're saying. It's not really how it goes normally. I would say, I mean, it can go that way, but it's certainly more rare, particularly outside of the structured environments that Mary referenced a moment ago. But I would say too, and it builds on a little bit with what you let off with, which is very rarely too, is there a straight path? So I have people who I consider to be very strong mentors where the relationship is informal. We'll chat, do check-ins about different things. I'll specifically seek them out about for advice on specific topics, but it's it's never been a, okay, you're my mentor now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they've grown up a little bit more organically than you perhaps would have seen with, you know, using the Jack and Liz example. Yeah. And Rob, you've had your own experiences. You've also kind of shepherded a lot of ICMA members through the process on both sides. So what are your thoughts on some myths or maybe unrealistic expectations? Well, I have lots. Uh, <laughs> but what just to touch on what Mary and David were just saying, I think as, as the field of mentoring uh, matures more, and maybe this was done more effectively in the past and we're just rediscovering it or not. I think different words of mentor mentor mean different things. Like you mentioned protege, but there's also a uh, coach, uh, mentor, uh, catalyst, and also advocate are, are words that have been used to describe mentoring. So there's mentoring to kind of learn a, a, a topic or a field or a task or some kind of like project management or something like that. There's kind of like sort of like book learning mentoring. And then there's coach which is more like, you know, you're a professional, they're a professional, I want to check in, have some specific questions. Uh, and then there's advocate is, I think, what they use for the door opener. Uh, advocate and catalyst are kind of those people who energize your career and, and actually can kind of make waves part for, for you or, or our network in such a way they really advocate uh, on your behalf uh, and help drive you to uh, greater career advancement, things like that. 
some other myths I think is that it's a lifetime commitment. I think people like, ah, you should be a mentor. Like, oh, it, you know, it sounds scary. I'm someone's mentor for life. That's that's not a, a true, uh, that it's one way. That's, that's not a one-way relationship. It's not directive. In fact, I think I think this falls on mentors more, coaches more, is they might misunderstand the misunderstand the role. The coach should actually be listening more than talking as a as a guidepost. Uh, so it, there's a lot of listening involved, and you know I think coaches uh, listen and help people find solutions on their own, and then advocates you know maybe more directive. You don't have to be wait to be assigned a mentor. Like David said, I think sometimes you find these people naturally and by accident and relationships over time and kind of turn into mentoring relationships. I think the idea that a mentor is older than you or in a superior position in an organization is a myth. I think you can have mentors at your own age, younger than you. Uh, you can, you know, if you're open, if your mind is open, you can learn from anybody at any time. Uh, even as we started, you know, from television, there's plenty of great leadership lessons uh, in, in uh, entertainment. Uh, that uh, coaching is a performance evaluation. Uh, that mentoring is some kind of performance evaluation. That's not the case. And performance evaluation is a totally different uh, animal than uh, than mentoring. I throw in a myth that mentors are doing the mentee a favor. Mm, right. um, I know that some of my relationships, where I have young professionals calling me and talking with me, it's like a booster shot for me. So I view it as very much a two-way street that I find just as rewarding as hopefully the person who I'm coaching, mentoring. And then the other thing is the, a myth that a mentor is going to be a person to give you advice. Right. Um, that can be the case, but I, I would say my most influential and effective mentor never, ever, ever told me what I should do. He asked me questions and made me self-examine and kind of pulled out of me the answers that I was looking for, I'd come to him and pose a question and he'd respond with the question. And then I'd say, well, I think, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, see, you didn't even need me. You, <laughs> you already knew that. You had that instinct inside you. And it was like, really, it helped build my confidence. And so I would say it's definitely a myth that that's, you know, maybe just some of Rob's point about the expectations mentors have that they're doing a lot of talking. Super skilled listener who's able to pose those probing questions that draw out of you what's already in there in a way that helps you find your leadership voice. Absolutely. To flip that narrative from myth, uh, I think they can help you become unstuck uh, like by asking those right questions when you're kind of too deep in the weeds on something like, uh, you know, go back, jump up to 30,000, 70,000 feet and look at it from a different perspective if you've been in the weeds too long. So the next kind of subtopic has almost been been covered in those all those great responses, but the just the bigger question that I think a lot of young professionals in local government or otherwise ask is, how do I find a mentor? You all already pointed out that it can be formal or informal. It can kind of just happen by chance or circumstance, or sometimes maybe there is a formal way, um, like through some of the programs ICMA offers or even within a local government that has an official program that assigns mentors. Mary, Mary mentioned, she used the word favor. That, that was another question I had. How, how does someone who's kind of looking for that, that guide or that coach, how can they proactively show interest in wanting that without making it sound like a favor? Is, is step one, just realizing that it doesn't have to be and, and to get over that, or maybe that awkwardness or like, Hey, they're busy or they're important. I don't want to, to take up too much of your time? How can they learn to get past that? 
I'm always a big person for, for claiming intentions and putting intentions out there. So I know there's a woman in my organization and, and she has, I guess, just gravitated towards me. And she's always apologetic when she calls or when she's like, let's go grab lunch. I know you have so much going on. And, and so, so I've said to her a million times, someone asking questions is a point of self-reflection for me. So it's helpful for me too. And that's where that booster shot piece comes in. So I think, I think just putting it out there, Hey, I'm not, I know you've got a lot going on. I mean, being candid, if the person's like, yeah, I do, I do have a lot going on. You're so right about that. Probably not the best mentor mindset. So use that as a self-selection factor. So you just kind of move on the, those, you know, the best mentor is going to be a person who is willingly giving of that part of themselves. And then the other thing I'd say is just form relationships with people. So instead of going out and seeking a mentor, work your network, form a network and, and diversify the relationships that you build and you foster and you cultivate. And the mentor candidates, if you want to think of it that way, will emerge. As I said, it's like for certain people, I would say we don't necessarily have the best relationship in the whole wide world, but there are pieces of the way that they lead that I really admire. And so I might ask them questions on one aspect of, of leadership that I see that they have that I'm aspiring to, and it's not all or nothing. <laughs> it's going to sound funny. One-tenth of that person is a mentor to me, and 90% of that person is maybe what I don't want to do. I mean, it doesn't need to be this all or nothing, one-to-one thing. The question from the get-go isn't literally, will you be my mentor? It's more of a, here's a specific topic or question or something I'd like some guidance. And as we talked about earlier, don't don't expect them to do it for you or just magically solve the problem, but maybe guide you along the way. So David, what has your experience been as, as you've maybe been on the mentee side of it, building and cultivating those relationships that you've gained from? Well, I'll start by saying that I have been lucky. <laughs> I got lucky. So that's how I stumbled into the relationships that I have that um, I consider mentor type relationships to myself. I happen to have stumbled into a job in an office where the totality, almost the totality of the executive managers are de- what I think of as developers. So they will <laughs> engage in that sort of Socratic style of questioning, thinking through, teasing out different details of your own thought processes so that you can examine them perhaps more clearly or through a more experienced lens. So for me, it was luck and then realizing, okay, this is the environment I've landed in. What can I do with it? How can I learn from and approach these folks in a way that benefits me professionally, benefits the organization I work for, and I hope derive some sort of learning or satisfaction from them as well. I would say that I got lucky and then figured out pretty early that I got lucky. But also and yeah, now, recognize and, that you didn't to capitalize on it. Yeah. And it's the one thing I'll say too, it's, it's okay to capitalize on it and okay to be like Mary said, have your intention out front that you want to capitalize on it because I found too that most people like being learned from, <laughs> believe it or not. And so people are eager to share their thoughts and experiences with you. All you got to do is be okay asking them, asking them about it and being receptive to 
either what they're asking you or what they're sharing with you. Rob, earlier you mentioned having your eyes open to find that mentor. It doesn't have to be one person or a boss. It also doesn't necessarily have to be just that industry. So anything to elaborate there? Absolutely. So I think that you, to consider there's different mentors for different purposes. And I might, you know, have like a, a year-long relationship that's part of a program, like our, I think it's our Emerging Leaders Development Program assigns a mentor as part of that program. And then there's the like, there's mentors out there if you need them, like our coaching program. I've got a specific topic-based question that maybe a one-off or a three-month kind of a thing. Some of it depends on the challenges and the needs you're having. Like a, the question, I'm thinking of changing jobs. Here's where I was thinking of going conversation is a lot different than I'm having a tactical issue with my council or the community. We're launching a new program and and I'm kind of stuck on where to go from here. So those are very different conversations, which would probably be, wouldn't necessarily be with the same person. Frank Benist, uh, who's very active in our coaching program uh, and our next generation programs, uh, says that he uses a two plus one model, two internal, one external. So you've got a he, he advocates, you know, you've got a sort of a mentor on your own team, and then you, maybe you have a mentor in the organization who's not on your team, but who can give you kind of an organization perspective. And then there's somebody outside your organization completely who you can ask for, for other things. So and that could all be based on the same question. Like, here's here's this program challenge we're having. At. Here's my internal perspective. Here's my org perspective. And here's the total outsider perspective. And I think to what Mary and David said, relationship building is key to that. So if you're open and, you know, a, a team player and you know, you've just got relationships with people, you know, everybody, Frank says coaches like to coach, right? So people like to be learned from, right? I think I would just say, don't ever be afraid to ask a question, you know, take, take the reins and just uh, uh, ask, ask somebody. And if you've got even a, even if you use a network tool to be your, your cold open, right? So alumni networks, professional associations, if you're on some kind of committee, or task force in your association or, or in your community, a local leadership program, things like that. Anybody could be, could be your co-problem solver. I really love that two, two to one that you brought out. And I want to tack on to it if I can. I had a coach a couple of years ago that took it maybe a step farther than that. When you're trying to develop certain qualities or certain pieces of yourself, whether it's professional or not, you can also pull on other different sources that, you know, might be inspiring to you. So the way that she termed it was, okay, so you're here, you're here to do this task. You got to do this thing. Who's in your posse behind you to, to back you up? And it's a little bit of a, a mind game, but you can learn from people without them realizing that you're learning from them, right? Or you don't have to necessarily know them to take away uh, a lesson or a learning. I'll flip it around now. We, we mostly focus on the mentor, but or how can you find the mentor? How can they find the mentee? I think a lot of the things everyone already brought up was, is still applicable, but how does, it, how does it go the other way? I'm a big believer in that it's never too early to pay it forward. So I'm still pretty young in my career, but I'm also thinking about, okay, so how can I, how can I help people who are in graduate school consider local government or consider working for a county or consider what they could do in public service or public administration generally. I don't have to be, you know, a 20-year veteran or a um, multi, multi-decade subject matter expert to do that. All I have to do to do that and access those folks is tell my story. So it's okay to say, hey, here's my story. <laughs> 
even if you only have you know five or less or whatever years in the job or if you're mid-career or if you're early in i think it's never too too soon to put the ladder down for the next person or people i'd I'd add to that um you know supernatural way to find mentees if that's something that you're seeking is internships and fellowships and you know offer those have your organization take part in those i can tell you that i have again for me i don't view them really as mentoring relationships although really and truly that's what they are i have and i get so much energy from them this whole cadre of of young people who have worked with catawba county over the years and when we go to conferences it's like old home week phones are blowing up and we're all reconnecting and i get super jazzed about that i got a text from a, a woman i worked with what five six years ago saying i saw you in the icma magazine and it's like those relationships grew naturally out of professional opportunities that our organization offered so you know internships the fellowship working with local high schools to get high school interns to come in. There was an intern who came through our office who I actually just bumped into at the ICMA conference. She's now in the MPA program. There was a young woman in my Rotary Club who had was working in the nonprofit sector, and she just one day said something to me about how it was frustrating for her to work on a narrow niche problem. Every time she wanted to figure out root cause, she was bumping up against the mission of the organization she said, I just feel it's like hamstringing. And I was like, you need to check out local government. She got a master's degree in public administration. Now she's working in local government. The, the, so that's like outside the organization and, and, and connecting with that young professional pipeline, as David was talking about. I'd also say, you know, mentor-mentee relationships within this organization where I'm working now. If I see someone who is a diamond in the rough, if I think I can maybe help polish that, I'll reach out to them. You know, maybe I'll send them a note and say, you did a really good presentation at the board meeting last week. If you ever want to grab lunch, let me know. So one of the supervisors in my organization texted me a picture yesterday of a note I sent to one of the employees who ran, brought it into the department head's office and said, I got a note from Mary. And I think this woman's really bright. And I think she's got a really strong future here with us. I'm not necessarily out seeking mentees, but I'm interested in connecting with people and fostering the culture of our organization and helping people helping develop people so you know david was talking about how best mentors are developers and our coaches and so i think if you believe in that and if you seek mentor mentee relationships then some of those things are going to come naturally it's funny because as i was sitting here thinking about my most favorite you know best mentor given the game we played on the lead in, he used to say we did the Vulcan mind meld <laughs> and, and we clicked, you know, we just clicked. And that became one of the most robust mentoring relationships I've ever encountered. I'd be in mid sentence and he, you guys can't see me. He'd basically move his hand between our two heads, be like, I got your thought. You can stop talking. That was like the first signal that that was a really strong um, mentoring relationship that was starting to grow. So I think there's lots of ways lots of ways to find mentees they all in authentic relationships and then just putting yourself out there again work in the network yeah that's so so critical too i think you also have to be willing to put yourself out there and be a little vulnerable and say okay well here's where 
I struggled with this or be willing to to probe a little bit into the human side of somebody who, like Mary said, you think is a diamond in the rough or who did do a really great job or who you can see as really strong in their public service motivation too. So there's a little bit of you know social risk that you have to take, I think, particularly if you approach it the way that I have been approached, and that's from the the developer perspective. You have to have a little bit of proactivity and then be willing to put yourself out there, and that ain't easy. And do it in a way where the, as as you all touched on earlier, the mentor doesn't position themselves as the all knowing. They're not. They're not Yoda. They don't have all the answers. And probably just from the beginning, make that clear with the mentee that it's a it's a support and a maybe challenge the mentee to do better or figure it out rather than just giving the answers. So add that to the pile of myths is the myth is that the mentor is perfect because some <laughs> of the strongest mentoring interactions I've had have been when mentors have shared with me things that they screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> they've said this is what I learned from that. And that really was impactful because it made them more human, as David was saying, more approachable, less up on that pedestal, less intimidating, really. Which is the common trope in a lot of those fictional characters. The The mentor starts off as the maybe all-knowing person, but then they even learn or they realize I have something to learn from this younger, enthusiastic, maybe reckless, but the, the up-and-comer. And they mentor typically learns their own lesson as the story goes. Let's get into some specific desired outcomes. Professional development kind of comes to mind for the mentee, but it seems like that shouldn't be the exclusive goal going in uh, on the mentee side. David, can you speak on that? Yeah, I think you, you, so if you're in one of those internal organization relationships, you really, you want the individual person to excel and succeed and you want the organization to benefit from that so i have a really good example that just happened to me actually so there's somebody who i think has a lot of really great skills that they could bring to bear that they are you know working through the early years in their career to bring to bear i encourage that person to apply for a pretty high level position and they you know, after talking with them a little bit to say, hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this. Um, why don't you go ahead and what do you think about throwing your hat in the ring? Came out of the interview earlier. And from my perspective, she absolutely hit a home run. So now the absolute worst thing that anybody can come out and say is, well, she was really well prepared and had great answers and was good to interact with, even if she's not successful in the recruitment. And so to see that play out, to say, okay, so here's somebody else coming up in the organization who's invested in the organization, who's going to be motivated to add value and who other people now see are doing a good, is doing a good job. I think that's meaningful for both the person coming up, the mentor, as well as the organization that they're working in, because that person's encouraged to keep trying for bigger and better things because they got a positive, they did the work and then they got a positive result. Rob, can you talk about the, maybe specifically the ICMA program? If you have someone interested in signing up on either side of it, but they ask you, well, what is the goal here? What are we supposed to get out of this? What's, what's the advice you give them? A desired outcome is, and I'm just going to read some words off 
that I think are important, uh, that it's uh, safe and confidential, that it's fun, supportive, learning, respectful, and impactful. I think it should be all of those. I think people should be comfortable, especially with some like our, our one-to-one coaching program where you're kind of signing up probably to talk to a stranger. You might actually find a coach in there that you've already, already met. Uh, it should kind of be all of those things. Both parties should get those experiences out of, out of something like our coaching program. Other mentoring things, uh, other sort of natural mentoring uh, experiences should also probably have those elements involved as well, especially those sort of built-on relationships. I think one of the things that uh, you can do to, to just kind of jumping back a little bit to the previous question and how to find people, I talked to a member last month who actually had had a great mentoring experience early in his career, and he emails all the new management fellows across the country and all the grad students in his local grad program to say, hey, I'm a deputy manager here in this area. If you ever have a question or ever need anything, just reach out to me. He doesn't get a lot of hits, but he, you know, five or six wrote him back, and, and, and they had conversations about challenges and, and things like that. So again, just back to putting yourself out there, being comfortable with it, nurturing relationships. A lot of mentors might not know, might not even know they're your mentor. You might see them as that, but they might not know that just because of the nature of the personal relationship uh, that you've had. So uh, I think being welcoming, open and available is, is really key to that. But it's also it's also kind of a no risk thing, especially with our coaching program. If you sign up to be a coach, most of those are kind of one off conversations. Sometimes they last six months. Sometimes a relationship is formed that naturally turns into a mentoring relationship. That's one thing, you know, from a tactical side, we actually augmented our uh, credential managers program. Part of the the ICMA credential managers program is active mentoring, but we added uh, coaching to that to say that you can have one, you know, sort of year long classic mentoring relationship, or you can do a series of coaching experiences that qualify you uh, for that that part of the credential. Uh, It doesn't, like we said earlier in the call, it doesn't have to be a lifetime uh, event. It can be, it could be a one-off. You can have a really powerful experience with somebody that you only had one conversation with, like at our conference and some state conferences do speed coaching. I had a great conversation at that event that then led to uh, either I maybe never talked to that person again and had kind of a a life-changing aha moment or, wow, now I'm going to follow up with that person later. Being available, but also knowing that, you know, again, it should be especially confidential uh, and a a safe, uh, a safe experience where you can kind of say everything you want. And that's one reason I think why the two plus one model works really well is because you might have questions or concerns you want to ask somebody, but not in this organization. <laughs> I got to talk to somebody outside uh, for yeah, that other right. other perspective. Mary, another specific question. You you or David could speak to this. If there is a formal assigning of a mentor, how would you recommend the mentor keep the focus on the relationship and all the positive aspects we've talked about versus what it ends up maybe being often is just kind of trying to assimilate that new hire into the culture, which maybe is a worthwhile outcome, but it maybe isn't the really what that mentoring is is for. So that that I don't want to use the word trap, but it seems like sometimes you get assigned someone. It's really to kind of show you, well, hey, this is how we do it here, versus listening. You used the word listening earlier. So how how do you recommend um, someone in your shoes make sure the the focus stays on all those other things we've already talked about? think I'm listening and then asking questions. So I know that 
part of, you know, I, I mentioned that I, I get just as much out of these relationships as hopefully the people who I'm, I'm mentoring get out of it. I'll ask them a ton of questions about decisions that we're making. So we've got interns roll um, through here in the summer. They're part of our department head team as we're struggling. You know, we're making real organizational decisions. We were pitching some changes to our benefits package and we had uh, an intern in in the mix in some of these meetings and afterwards I turned to him and I said so what do you think of the way we framed that how did that strike you and it wasn't I wasn't trying to get him to tell me we did a great job I mean I think there's this notion of honesty and you know, I always say I don't ever want to be the emperor with no clothes. So asking questions and really, truly seeking that feedback to make sure that we're well-rounded and that we're not creating that assimilation expectation. And, and it was funny because I've also said, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. When I ask you a question about, do you think we frame that appropriately? Do you think whatever it is, whatever questions that I'm asking them for their feedback on, I really want to know. And I also want to know, you know, like we had some interns come through here and we, we asked them, uh, my counterpart asked them, what were your impressions of our physical space? And they basically said, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, we really want that feedback because we're talking about kind of walking the talk here. And as we talk about leadership succession and talent development and how we can, you know, maintain our position as an employer of choice, how are we going to do that if we're asking people and only expecting that answer that is consistent with what we're already doing? I mean, I think I think asking questions with a genuine ear for hearing the truth and then reiterating that that's what you expect. There's another expression we, we throw around around here saying, don't don't keep looking into the leader's eyes. I mean, I'll say to the county manager sometimes, they're looking in your eyes too much. They're trying to figure out what you want them to say. We have a signal. If I go like this, oh, you can't see me again. If I cover my eyes in a meeting, it's because I'm trying to get him to stop telegraphing what he thinks because I can see the arc of the conversation following that. Forming relationships with new people, whether they're in the organization for a long time and it's just a new relationship for me or whether they're you know, having an internship or a fellowship experience, that's the value they bring. And that also, frankly, helps them develop confidence in their own voice. I mean, when you're asked that question, well, you're asking me and I'm just a lowly intern. No, I'm asking you. You're a person who's smart, who's a little bit on the outside looking in. But tell me what you think because there's real value in that. I'll say we're probably too close to it. And, and you can really help us round this plan out or shore it up or make sure there are no huge landmines that we just are oblivious to because we're just not keyed in on them. One of the best things anybody has ever said to me, Mary, is exactly along those lines. Like, it's okay to be a person. It's okay to be human <laughs> and acknowledge that shared uh, personhood and humanity. And that that's what I immediately reflected on when you were, when you were telling that the story is that, you know, sometimes you do have to, because local government in general can be hierarchical, right? It's people who are in charge of other people to do things for society. And sometimes you have to stop and reset and say, okay, this is a person. What's their, <laughs> what's their deal? <laughs> what do they think? <laughs> One of those epiphanies on, on mentoring and leadership uh, was when I was a lowly PIO for the city 
San Diego many years ago. And one of the deputy department heads came in and was asking me my opinion about some engineering thing related to the community outreach we needed to do. And I was like, I'm like, what, 26? And this was a much older, mature person. And he, he wants my opinion as a professional. Like, wow, <laughs> kind of blew my mind. Uh, but then jumping back to what uh, Mary was saying about telegraphing, I heard the story, uh, Ruffin Hall, when he was the city manager of Raleigh, called that boss radar. <laughs> he was trying not to, to like, he, he could see when people were like waiting to see what he thought about something before they would say something. Uh, and it's like, no, I want your honest opinion. I'm not, this, this is not a, a yes person's meeting. You got to be honest with what's wrong or we can't really address it. It's not my show. It's our show. Mm-hmm. I call that a culture of civil truth telling. Mm. Uh, you know, we want it to be professional. The person who comes in and says, you guys are a bunch of idiots, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm. okay, not, not helpful. So I would give the advice of if somebody asked you that question, looking for genuine feedback, think about the way it's going to land <laughs> so that they can receive it. But truth telling is really an important organizational value. And, and I think if you can help young people in mentoring context understand that again all it does is give them confidence in their own voice and it also is a super useful feedback mechanism for the organization so what about the potential outcome that the mentor even if they're just one variable but if they help the mentee essentially outgrow or even outpace the role that is available for them within an organization it seems to me that the best mentors, that's actually a goal of theirs is to, to maybe help that mentee along that path and they, they're not scared of it. How, how would you address that or, or kind of set someone else straight that maybe has that, yeah, but I don't want to lose my best employee. I don't, I don't want to lose them. So I think that this is where, like Mary was talking about earlier, expanding that network comes into play and to bring bring it full circle. That's why organizations like ICMA are so helpful um, because not only do you develop that network within your single employer, but you develop it, develop it within your field in general. And I think local government management is a field such that you have the ability to recommend folks for other positions and other jurisdictions, even if they are your best person. I can't tell you how many times that I've been to an ICMA conference within the last couple of years. And, you know, somebody comes out of that conference with a job <laughs> or somebody comes out of that conference with some sort of career advancement and the people back home are nothing but happy for them. And that's when I think you've really succeeded both as a mentor, as well as an organization. You want the folks to go out in the world and represent well and it's gonna you know the benefit to you is that your organization is gonna look good because hey we generated this rock star that went off and did all these other great things redirecting to that mindset is definitely hard but that's how i think people view it there's a great example i've heard from a few of our members over the years where the staffer deputy department head whoever reports to them comes into work and there's a job description on their desk uh, for like a manager or a deputy manager job in a different community. And you're like, you're not fired, but you're ready to move on. It's time for you to move on and grow. And, you know, I, you're, you've, you've done all you can here. And I think it's a different, it's a definitely a, a different mindset. I think some people actually feel territorial about their staff and like, how dare could you leave me? And that that's unfortunate because really it's such a great success to be able to help people uh, learn 
so much or, or just be there and give them the space to learn whether they do it on their own. And then when they move on, just be really happy for them because they're going to take everything they've learned and go help another community. And I think at ICMA, we see that from, like you said, David, about the sort of nationwide talent pool. That's something that's that we're concerned about because CIOs move around all the time. And then the part of that is making sure there are people up developing up behind them to be able to step into those roles. So that's that's really kind of critical. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> to oversimplify and bring us all the way back to the beginning with the television references, I think of it very much as the starship captain, right? Mm. How many times did Picard pull the chair out or right. help somebody else pull the chair out for Riker? A bunch. Now, it took him a while to sit down, but every single time, you know, Picard and the crew were there to to bring him along when he was ready. And it was great because it was, you know, going to benefit the whole Federation. And from my perspective, it's going to benefit the entire profession of local government management, which is, you know, the thousands of jurisdictions across the country. In my brain, it's all the same team, really. I just happen to be you know, on this ship over here and Mary's on that ship a couple hundred miles south and, you know, Rob's on a different but related ship over in over in the district. And, you know, that's how I look at it. So <laughs> I think it depends on your perspective. Just share. Um, I've only been in two local government organizations over the course of my career. And the first organization, I fell in love with the culture and I I mean, they fell on some hard times politically. Things started getting a little rocky, but I was so vested in that place. And honestly, it was a it was a, an amazing lesson to learn uh, in my first organization. My mentor, Vulcan Mind Melt guy, called me into his office and said, "This is me pushing you out of the nest. You need to go." And I was like, "What are you talking about? I can't go. I'm not going anywhere. I love this place." And he was like, "No." You need to go. There are bigger things awaiting you, and it's hard for you to see it from where you're sitting. I was really, I mean, it was really, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was a very emotional thing where he was telling me, you can't see it, but for your own professional trajectory, it's time for you to move on. Like this is, there is a next step waiting for you. And it just so happened that the ICMA conference was, what, two, three weeks later. And I was one of those people who went to that conference, sowed a few seeds. And the next thing you know, I had a job. <laughs> so. And the mentee shouldn't, shouldn't be scared. It's tough giving up that relationship, especially if it's your direct supervisor, because that's such a big thing about having a job you enjoy. Yeah. Um, but people, case by case, but you got to be, you got to be ready to move on when the mentor's telling you, you, yeah. you, you are. Well, Mary, David, and Rob, or maybe I'll call you Liz, Qui-Gon, and Morpheus, uh, thanks for your time today on mentoring. Um, it's a subject we'll be able to touch on again in the future and appreciate your insights for the ICMA community. If anyone has specific questions, follow-ups, or ideas on a new episode, please share with us on ICMA Connect. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>